When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Big Chris Live, the live stream and then the podcast, which is available everywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, formerly known as Apple iTunes or whatever it was. Uh, also, DeanBlundell.com. Thanks to uh, him. We are streaming right now live on YouTube, on DeanTube, I should say, as well as the DeanBlundell.com Twitter account. And of course, on Facebook, Big Chris Radio. Thank you for everyone who follows and also checks out and makes the audio podcast part of their daily routine, uh, of which I'm getting some feedback lately. Uh, you have been. That's awesome news. And our guest just literally disappeared behind me. Oh, what are you doing? The call came in. That's oh, so no. Weird. I had it shut off. I had it shut off, I swear. Whoever's calling Graham Greer, stop it right now. <laughs> we got Graham Greer on the uh, Zoom phone with us. You've got a wicked... That already answers my very first question is, do you still have that Guild guitar? And there it is. Pre-1992, if I'm not mistaken. It's the, the old classic Guild. That is, a, that is a 78 right there. A 78? Yeah. How do you maintain a guitar yeah. like that, man? Do you rub it down with baby oil every night before you go to bed? Does your wife no, get jealous? No. I, tuck, I, I tuck it in every night with me. <laughs> so she is jealous. <laughs> yeah. Uh Graham Greer, I when I first met Graham, uh he was just endeavoring in a bit of a solo fashion. The artist or the name of the uh your your pseudonym then what pseudonym was Moonlight Graham, correct? And yes. if, and the, the album was Palookaville? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. My memory, I'm doing all this by memory. I don't Not do bad. I don't do Not as bad. much preparation when I have guests on that I've I've known before. Or <laughs> that's good to know. I, I just kind of wing it. I'm like, yeah, I remember this thing that happened that time. You know, we could talk about that. So, so you just keep having people on that you know, so you don't have to do any work. Is that pretty much. Work? Yeah, pretty much. Man. I get it. Yeah. Um, Graham lives in Cornwall, Ontario, but uh, yeah. Barstool Profits toured coast to coast. That's where I met Graham. Barstool Profits was the uh, major label band. You were on, was it Universal? Uh, we signed a Mercury. Oh, we're Mercury, a yeah. universal uh, record company. Yes. Yeah. 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 We and signed a Mercury in the in Canada, and then a year later to Mercury in the states too. And you guys had some big tours. You came up on a few podcasts uh, back when I had uh, Craig Northey and Rob Baker from the Tragically Hip, and Craig Northey from the Odds. They have the Strippers Union, which is their third record, which is out. It's actually on the turntable behind me here. And yep. um, he, yeah, I brought you up because you always spoke so highly of Craig and touring with the odds uh, when you guys were in Barstool Profits. Maybe he didn't have any real stories or he didn't want to like betray any trusts. Do you have any, <laughs> do you have any stories from, from those touring days? Yeah. The touring with the, we, we've done some, we've done some solo ventures uh, throughout Ontario into Quebec and into Manitoba and into the Northern States before we were signed. But our first, we got a, we got a manager in Toronto in 94. Mm-hmm. And our first 
the first thing they did was hook us up with a tour with odds. And uh, we did, we did everywhere from, we did Toronto at the Horseshoe uh, was our first, our first two nights with them. And then we did all the way across to the Commodore ballroom in Vancouver with them. I think it was like a four week, maybe three and a half weeks, three and a half weeks total. Yeah. But it was, it was our first foray uh, into professional. Oh, this is how it's done. And, uh, and they took us under, under their wing and uh, for better or worse, since to some degrees, uh, they taught us some, a lot of don'ts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In in addition to a lot of do's and they were, they were just fantastic guys and they knew that we were green and, uh, and they were complimentary and they, they taught us about gear and we, they, uh, it was, it was a, it was a, an apprenticeship yeah. for, for that. And, uh, and it worked out so well for us because we carried everything that we, we gleaned from that, uh, that time with odds. We, uh, we carried with us right till the day we stopped touring. So uh, yeah. it was so, so beneficial to have great guys on the first time out because we had some other experiences that were not positive. And it, had they been, had they been the first foray, it would have been a completely different ball game. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? Yeah, and and timing is such a big thing too. And and yeah, uh, maybe we'll just jump right into this barstool profits. You know, I don't know whether it was you or maybe my roommate Tommy Twenty. Shout out to Tommy Heatley, uh, or uh, there was somebody, or maybe it was just someone drunk at the patio at La Maison in Cornwall that said this. But like, and I, I kind of understood the sentiment was like, man, barstool profits got fucked over by Napster, man. I don't think that I don't think that was you that said that, but you might have corroborated that. Do you? Because you guys were just starting, you, like two, three albums in, and then Napster came along, and and I remember yeah. that was a game changer. And and was that like part of the part of a problem? Is that why things kind of wrapped up a bit? We we had a we were the unfortunate uh, uh, the unfortunate recipients of a, of a of a bad string of of coincidences that all kind of culminated at the same time, and you know it was a Napster around the late nineties when our second record came out, it lasted big game hunters. So it was 97. And by 98, we were playing bigger and bigger clubs because we yeah. were get you know, gaining more and more notoriety. We were all over the radio. Like I remember that, especially I grew, the, grew up in Ottawa. Right. So you guys oh, yeah. were on Ottawa radio, like crazy. Like I thought you were an Ottawa yeah. band and I think you were billed as an Ottawa band for a bit. We were, li- we were living in Ottawa from 93 about 93 on yeah uh and got signed while we were living in ottawa so yeah that made sense uh, yeah 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 we basically moved up to ottawa to go to university and then dropped out and get a record deal (laughs) (laughs) that's that's rock and roll baby you you go which you go whichever the way with the wind is blowing right so yeah yeah. um but yeah uh, i mean file sharing i think contributed a lot to it because the record company meetings we would have they'd say you know you guys are doing really great on the road and you're and you know you're raking it in when it comes to touring and but uh, yeah, no, uh, nobody's buying the albums. Yeah, and they hadn't re- they hadn't really figured out that 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 was part of the future. <laughs> yeah, they they only just are now starting to realize that nobody's uh, yeah. buying albums, yeah. and that's the way that that's the new business model, right? But back yeah. then, it was a big problem for some reason. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we and we had we had pretty good success with much music and music plus and MTV. Yep, yeah. where where videos were finally getting played. And then the record company uh, Universal had a new president that came in, and he was trying to he was trying to shake things up and, and make his own mark. Oh yes, and uh, the, the young hungry executive. <laughs> oh, I remember I remember one one meeting. We're all sitting around this big board boardroom table, and uh, 
he says, you know, you guys are doing okay at video, but you're much better at radio. I think we're going to take all of your video, uh, all of your video allowance for a friend of mine. We're going to put it into radio promotion. We're like, oh, oh okay. okay. All right. This was like the third, I think Friend of Mine was the third single on that record. That was the biggest song too, right? Friend of Mine? It was the biggest freaking song. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big single. Anyone, and totally, anyone, go they, and look it up. They sapped all of our record. Yeah, they sapped our video money away to put it into radio promotion and it yeah. kind of stalled everything. So, yeah, go look up Friend of Mine. Actually, look up all of Barstool Profits catalog. <laughs> and here's the other thing like, if you do, uh, you'll recognize the songs. I know you will recognize some of those songs. And maybe, you know what I mean? You just you just didn't go enough to get that household name variety. But like you, people will know those songs. I know they will, Graham. I really Absolutely. do. You guys Absolutely. had a, a big impact. And so those are some great albums, man. Last of the big, Last of the Big Game Hunters was my favorite single. It was the name of the record <laughs> too. But I love that guitar hook, man. I love that. Like, man, like, how is that not a win? right yeah, exactly exactly and that was just that was the four of us horsing around in a we had a rehearsal spot here in cornwall at the time uh that glenn's dad had, had gotten for us and it was one of those you know those buildings that go with a uh, that are on a on a public uh, public space with a swimming pool and a tennis court and stuff like that yeah yeah so it, it was one of those those uh those i think the boys and girls club had had used the building previously and nobody was using it we moved all our gear in there for about four months when we were off the road nice. and, and after crank and, uh, and we wrote so much stuff in there, but it was all just horsing around. We, we just kind of hung out and, uh, and that riff came up and we all laughed and Al, Al added the, the descending bit on it. Yeah. And we were all kind of laughing like, that's absurd. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk yeah, about, I, I, you talk about Cornwall and, and, and mentor, you talking about being mentored with odds and, and those guys on the road, yeah. but like you yeah. guys, you guys ha have, uh, at least you, I know like, and just even just your presence in the city of Cornwall, uh, you know, there's people who really, really feel influenced by you. I remember when I lived there, my roommate, Tommy, who I, this is, I can't believe I'm giving Tom, I didn't plan on giving him two shout outs in one episode, but anyways, I remember he, uh, like, I think there was like some open mic night that you were hosting at some pub or something. And he yeah. went and it was quiet and he got to jam with you on acoustics. And I think you did sunshine so fine. And when we got back home, he drank three beers. And then he told me, he's like, dude, that was like a huge moment for me. <laughs> he Like, how do you feel about that? Unreal. man? Like there are people who live in your backyard who were like, who thought you were the shit, man. Like you were, you were influential on them. Yeah, I, I it it boggles my mind, but uh, we still, I mean, we still before COVID uh, when we'd go out, there's always somebody that comes up to my yeah. wife and I and says, you know, says something of, of a similar of a similar attack, uh, and I, I I'm, you know, I'm very proud that uh, proud that people think of us in those positive terms. I, I uh, what more could you ask for, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But Tommy Heatley. Tommy Heatley, I worked, the first job I ever had when I was a kid, I was 16, I worked for Tommy's dad at a bathtub plant. Yeah, they make, they make spas. Or, yeah, that's, they, yeah, yeah they he, baths and he stuff. Used to, he used to make actually bathtubs and, uh, and shower units back then. And the company I worked for, uh, Tommy's dad was, was one of my bosses. Yeah. And uh, I remember Tommy hanging around when he was a little pipsqueak. So, uh, oh, yeah. I'd say, yeah. <laughs> so funny that, yeah, it's so funny that uh, you say pipsqueak because he's like my age and we we're roommates. <laughs> but you got a birthday tomorrow. I do. I do. What is a it? Milestone. Be honest. Five zero. Wow. Yeah. That's great. 
it's, it's just as just as many as gray hairs on my chin. I yeah, I'm glad I turned yeah. the contrast up on the TV so we could capture that. <laughs> <laughs> the tiger stripes. Awesome. Well, I'm, awesome. Turning, I'm turning 40 in a few weeks too. April 2nd, I'll be 40. So that's funny. There's a 10 nice. year gap there between us. I, you know, it's cool, man. You, uh, back to Tommy for a second. I got a Tommy story. <laughs> that's three shadows. Yeah, I know. It's okay. It's all right. You mentioned that, that his dad, his dad's business. And, and eventually when I knew Tommy, his dad uh, had a, a spa business where they made custom hot tubs and stuff. And yeah, they still do. Yeah, they still. Oh, okay, well, I, I won't. Uh, I won't mention the business name because we were Tommy and I. After one rowdy night out at a bar somewhere, Tommy just had the keys to his dad's shop, and there's a big showroom <laughs> right right on May, on Pitt Street in, in Cornwall, and we were having a hot tub right there in the showroom, right in front of everyone's walking by at two in the morning, watching uh, after the bars and everything. <laughs> shameful that's shameful no no not at all it's, it's good times is what it is <laughs> that's fantastic um so we've been through sort of the uh the i would say the the bulk of of barstool profits but let's go back to just before there was a a conflict in the naming of the band it that was not the original name of the band was it it was the wallflowers right yeah when we, we started in high school in uh, 1989 and we were we called we called ourselves the Wallflowers. Yeah. And then in the early '90s, Bob Dylan's son Jacob Dylan came out with his Wallflowers. Who does he think he is? Well, and it was getting pretty confusing. Yep. Our drummer's name was Bob, so they thought he was Bob Dylan Jr. And it was, yeah, it was, <laughs> you guys should have. It was should have tried to ride that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we did for a little while, but it yeah. wasn't going very well. No, no, it isn't. So no. yeah, we uh, yeah we had a we had a naming party at uh, I think at Grand Central in uh, in ottawa right. yeah yeah and we uh where we where we unveiled the new name but yeah. a lot of the uh, <laughs> the band meetings to pick new uh band names were hilarious because oh, really? we would all yeah. come in with we would all come in with handwritten okay th these are my five choices we put them in a bag and we pull them out and then we go what <laughs> go to the next one <laughs> and they were they were terrible they were terrible really terrible yeah like like yeah. just the beatles kind of terrible oh <laughs> like uh I remember one, and I'm gonna I'm gonna out Bobby Tamas, our drummer. He he had one four on the floor, so that we could go anywhere and do anything. <laughs> Sorry, Bob, come again. <laughs> it was, it was yeah, he he had taglines for all of his all of his choices. <laughs> so, so we we were arguing just the fact that they needed explanation was enough to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get them out of the them out of the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah they elaborate further. That's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah, stressful times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking so speaking of the guys in the band, I don't remember yes. who it was, but they had a special skill. They had a special magic trick or a power. Do you know what I'm really? talking about? Yeah, there was someone in the band, if I'm not mistaken, who had the ability to tell you what kind of nipples you had through. <laughs> through a shirt without disrobing he could tell you what kind of nipple who was that I, if you dare how name you them? know that how, how do i know that? that i remember it i just remember it. again i'm going by memory here graham going from glenn memory. forrester it was glenn, glenn. okay i didn't want to out that's, him that's glenn's uh it's a skill he's uh, he's had for years and he would he would describe nipples not just to women but to men yeah he would he would based on their their appearance their their hair color their 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 complexion he would describe their nipples by size and uh and coloration and uh all the details and, uh, 
all the details and and people were amazed and he didn't, we didn't verify the findings but just the just the fact that the people responding uh the look on their face flab- and- were flabbergasted yeah uh yeah he was bang on all the time so the one maybe it was him himself or maybe it was you someone told me the story that where the 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 proof where everyone finally started to believe in his power was yeah. was where someone said i bet you'll never guess what kind of nipples i have and he said you have inverted nipples and and he guessed it right he and famously famously uh, so Phil Inouye, who is a, the original, an original member of the Wallflowers, uh, he's now a gastroenterologist in Ottawa. He's a doctor. His wife. He stayed in university. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He went to McGill instead of Ottawa. So. Right. Um, uh, his wife, when when we first met her, uh, Glenn told her that she had three nipples, <laughs> and we thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she actually did. It's it's truly magic. That's what I'm saying, man. There was some... I don't I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. It's uh-huh. a, it's kind of, yeah. He's tapped in. He's just tapped in. Yeah. What what have uh, what's what's everybody? Uh, is everyone still living in Cornwall area? Like in the area? Uh, Glenn and I are both here in Cornwall still. Yeah. Uh, Bobby moved back to his childhood uh, town in Stratford about ten oh. years ago, maybe with his wife and yeah. family. Yeah. To be close to his parents, and. Uh, and Al, uh, Al lives in Ottawa still, Al Morier. Yeah. He's teaching, uh, he's in the, uh, I'm going to say he's in Orleans, just outside of Orleans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, he's got two uh, two sons and his he and his wife are, are happy and healthy there, as far as I know. So. Oh, that's good, man. Well, yeah. I, I always think back favorably on my times there. And I always remember, Graham, you sort of being like this, uh, I wouldn't say elder statesman, but you were an influencer. <laughs> Like an inf- you are now for sure with the elder of the elder of the tribe beard there, but but I you know you you just you you've been there you'd been to the show you know I think for in a lot of people's minds and uh, yes uh, but I also remember like I was there and and there was a posse and we were just we just every night of the week it was wild but once in a while Graham would show up once in a while we'd see you out on the patio having a time but like it it showed me too I was I thought that I was like you know he's probably got the right idea here but you were I mean by that time you were married you had kids too I mean like you weren't able to full on just put the pedal <laughs> pedal to the metal every night of the week you know well uh, eventually everyone slows down chris <laughs> I'm finding that out I'm starting to find that out and yes. Yeah, it's yeah. funny how you can go as fast as you can until all of a sudden just hey, maybe it isn't you that hits the brake. Something else hits the brake for you. That's right. And it's it's not it's not the act of uh it's not the act of merriment. Mm-hmm. It's the recovery from merriment the next day that is the that's the crux. Ah, uh, yeah. That's the uh Yeah. The the uh, the bounce back is not what it used to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well that's true too. I was I had a couple on the weekend too and I had hangovers like I'd never had before. It was pretty, pretty dastardly. And I'm like, ah, here comes 40. I'm around the corner. Right. It's going to happen, it's, right? It's the shape of things to come, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry I, I can only you. imagine what your hangover is going to be like this weekend after your celebration, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think pretty much it's just going to be my wife and, my, and our youngest son and I. Oh, I guess uh, we so, haven't yeah. been, We haven't been seeing people. We've yeah. been, been good. staying away from my parents, staying away from her parents. Nice. So. 
Yeah, that's that's been it's been such a shitty year, and especially for people yeah. in in the entertainment business or the music business, oh. or you know, like it basically, you know, I know I know musicians who have said, you know what, I'm going to take this time and do an online university course, or I'm going to yeah. reeducate, or yeah. I'm going to, you know, like everyone it, it really just got their knees taken out from underneath them. Like, like you you too, I'd imagine. Like you do music lessons. I mean, there's all sorts of things that could trickle down, right? It's, I mean, I'm lucky that I'm in a, a spot where it's, it hasn't hit me as, as hard as some people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just talking to a fellow named Ken Stone. Our, he was our, our uh, sound man for years. Mm-hmm. And he went on to be uh, Blue Rodeo's sound man and tour manager right, right. there for a little while. And he's got nothing going on right now. He has, he's, there's no industry for him. There's yeah. nothing. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's been working construction and, and, uh, yeah. you know, we're, it's, it's unreal. And all, a lot of my musician friends who that was their bread and butter, uh, yeah. you know, it's very, very spotty. They're doing, they're doing online stuff and, and it's, it, I don't know how they're getting by. I really don't. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy times for, for the whole music industry. Yeah. Um, it seemed like, yeah. it seemed like for a second, maybe the live stream thing was going to be a good thing, Yeah. but then yeah. everybody got a live stream and every I'm, I'm live streaming right now, you know, everybody, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but every musician, you know, uh, has a live stream. And I, I think maybe there was a bit of fatigue really early on with that. Well, it, it's really hard to monetize it. You know, it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to make a, a living doing that. Um, mm-hmm. We have a great friend in Ottawa, Dave Khalil. He's one of the dueling piano guys uh, in Ottawa. He and Tyler Keeley, but uh, Dave's been doing great work on Facebook Live, and all he does is he puts he puts a, a, a virtual tip jar out, and he does Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday nights and Saturday nights on Facebook, right? And and now he started doing. Uh, it's been going so well for him that he started uh, he started doing um, outreach for different uh, charities, and he just raised twenty four grand last Saturday for uh, wow. I think it was one of the food banks, if I'm not mistaken, but it's amazing. It's amazing. So that, I think there are pockets, there are pockets that it can make it work, Yeah. but you yeah. have to have that, you have to have that underlying infrastructure in your, in your fan base before you can even yeah. think of tapping into something that's going to make you a living. Just to just to mention a, a podcast we come, got coming up later on this week, we're going to have Ashley McIsaac on, on Friday. <laughs> Um, and, and I've noticed on his Facebook, he's been doing, he's cut cameo out of the mix. He's now doing straight up on through his social media saying, uh, I mean, I'm just going to be a terrible East coast accent. Oh, Hey, now about, uh, send me a message and I'll, I'll write you a tune on my fiddle and he'll, he'll record it and send it to you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's what yeah. he's doing to make money during these times, right? Like everybody yeah, has to get sure. creative. Um, so it's been tough. You know, I, I really, you know, I, I've been lucky because I do the radio show and uh, yep. luckily, you know, people still were on the road driving to work for, for, you know, not as many people, but still enough people that it made my job essential. And, uh, you know, I, I do consider myself really lucky to have, uh, yeah. to have, to have ridden it out uh, on the air. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't do my show from home. I mean, I did it, uh, you know, I, I went into the radio station every day and sure there's the, you know, gas stations and the wiping your hands a thousand times and wearing masks inside the radio station. But at the end of the day, I'm lucky that, you know, my routine, I still wake up at the same time. I still come home at basically the same time. Um, it hasn't really changed much. And certainly my, right. my bank account, my, my, uh, you know, my paycheck hasn't changed either. So I'm really fortunate, uh, in that regard, which brings me to the city of Cornwall, Graham. How yes. is the city doing? Because I drove through not that long ago, maybe a couple of years ago, 
It didn't seem like it was doing too good. I mean, especially compared to 2003, 2004 when I lived there. It's, I think before the pandemic, you know, our downtown area was getting, was kind of on the wane again. It, it mm-hmm. kind of it goes through ups and downs. Uh, we've got a lot of big box stores. We've got a lot of, uh, a lot of that encroaching on our, on our, our more uh, regional businesses. So yeah. yeah. The downtown, the downtown is, is in a bit of a wane was in, it was in a bit of a wane before, uh, before COVID hit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know, uh, I know people who were just opening up their businesses at this time last year, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hoping right. for a good, a good 2020 spring and summer. Yeah. And, and, uh, Fell flat, it, right? Oh, it just threw them for a loop, you know, a friend who opened a Jamaican restaurant and, and, uh, and I think he, I, I heard that he's stepping away as of the last couple of weeks because it's just not. You just can't, can't do, do it, it on takeout. Yeah. You know? you know, we, yeah. I mean, same here too. I mean, in the GTA, I mean, obviously we're still, it's still crazy. I mean, Barry just got on gray zone. They just got put back to lockdown for God's sake. Are you guys green zone? We're, uh, we're orange as of a couple of weeks, uh, last week. <gasps> I'm not sure. I don't think that's changed. My kingdom for orange. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, you know, but there was this restaurant that we, that, you know, opened up for us too. You say Jamaican, uh, uh, I say Indian. And it was honestly, no joke, the best Indian I've ever had. It really right. was. And, and it was, and they literally were open for three, four weeks. And I swear every night of the week for three to four weeks, we were trying to support them. Like we must've been their only clients. Cause they opened up literally like March 1st, 2020. Like it was oh, yeah. the worst. Right. But you know, yeah. you, you try and do your, your, your part and I'm still trying to lose the weight that I put on uh, over the last year, but uh, you know, your COVID-19 <laughs> yeah, COVID-19 pounds. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it's a far cry from the weight that I used to be when, well, when you knew me in Cornwall, man, I was, I mean, big Chris was, was like more like venti sized, you know, like at Starbucks, <laughs> like it was a big version of myself back then, man. Um, but it was great. Uh, it was great chumming around the scene and, and hanging there in Cornwall. And I always have some great memories and I always root for it like an underdog. Like I remember too, there was, uh, there's always people who always talk about the Royals, the, the, the OHL team they had there, the Cornwall yeah. Royals. Like there's all these sort of like, like underdog things, even your band Barstool Prophets, like that, you yeah. know, like fucking Napster, you know, or whatever, but you know, but we lost the Royals, um, you know, and then, and then they lost Domtar. And, and at the time it didn't seem like Domtar, the factory or the, uh, the pulp mill there was, was a great thing, but it, obviously it was, um, you know, for jobs and so forth and for the economy, but there was always yeah. this sort of, uh, also, and historically, people would talk about uh, how the very first factory installed light bulb was in Cornwall, that Alexander Graham Bell himself came to Cornwall, Ontario, and said, this is going to be the next boom town in Canada, and I'm going to install the first electric light bulb in, in Canada in this factory down on the waterfront in Cornwall. Everyone has this sort of like, fuck, we just missed the ball sort of mentality in, in Cornwall, dude. Oh light bulb's still there it's still running it hasn't burned out yet. it's amazing it's you incredible. know they they just don't make them like they used to i think that, <laughs> i think that's the moral of the story very though. very very thick filament that's yeah for sure but i always have great great thoughts and great wishes for everyone there shout out to anyone that uh we have mutual friends there in town there graham uh i'll just put There's, up a picture right uh, here there's Dan Alaire. I had that on a few an episode where <laughs> La Maison, you, me, Dan Alaire. Dan Alaire's still on the radio there in Cornwall and doing stand-up comedy now too. Do you, do you see Dan at all? I I've seen some of his stuff online. I know he, he does a lot of uh, a lot of team ups with Jamie Carr. Yeah, 
for uh, for comedy shows and uh, we did catch their stand-up uh wouldn't be last summer but the summer of 2019 yeah uh, we caught a couple of shows and and uh some hilarious stuff so awesome man yeah well yeah. say say hello to the city and uh i hope to see you sooner than later in person i promise i made a promise on twitter in the height of the first lockdown last april i'm gonna see all the people that i haven't seen forever no matter yeah. how long it takes as soon as this whole thing is over man so i'm coming to cornwall i'm gonna just do the tour and see everybody man well, give us a shout, and uh, and we'll definitely have a have a coffee together for sure. Yeah, for sure. A little coffee, a little right chit chat, and and maybe we'll even put it on the on the live again. Who knows? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Awesome reconnecting, Graham Greer, Barstool right Profits. You can see these lovely guys on the internet. Oh, one last thing too, Graham. Yes. Um, I just would love to ask, who's in control of the online content for the band for Barstool Profits? Because. <laughs> Who can you make sure that some higher quality videos get up there of you guys? Because it's all like 1994 VHS recorded off of MT or much music and then put onto YouTube. Can we get like the actual original cuts up there? See, you're using the word control. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, I knew I should have asked <laughs> that earlier loose term. when we were talking basically, about the record labels. <laughs> basically, well, and even stuff that we've put up, I mean, don't forget everything we have is on VHS from that time period too. Right. So yeah, that's true. Yeah some digital stuff some dvd uh content from the from the mid 90s but yeah. uh yeah it's okay. uh we're doing what we can okay all right well that's good anyways regardless check them out and the grainy quality will give you that awesome throwback vibe exactly yes and give you the real 1990s feel thanks again graham greer cheers chris cheers buddy Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. Such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.